Well, good morning, Mission Point family. I was so excited and looking forward to seeing you, and uh, we'll catch you next week face-to-face, but we're so glad to be able to live stream our service to you this morning. My name is Jeff, by the way, for those of you uh, out there who uh, I may not have met you yet. I'm one of the pastors here and excited to be able to share God's Word with you today. Uh, We continue to live in an interesting time and a challenging time. And a time in which I believe God wants the church to be the church in all of our glory. And so we're excited about uh, what that might mean. I'm wondering, have you ever been in someone's home? And as you're, you know, checking out their house a little bit, uh, you know, eating dinner, whatever it might be, you notice that they have a plaque on the wall that says, House Rules. House rules. And some of these house rules plaques say things like this. If it's dirty, wash it. If it rings, answer it. If you spill it, wipe it up. If you open it, close it. If it runs out, replace it. If it's borrowed, return it. If you sleep on it, make it. If you move it, put it back. If you turn it on, turn it off. House rules. Those are pretty good. But you know, I don't know that they get at the heart of creating a household. If you were to come to our home, some of you have been in our home, but if you were to come in our home, and walked around and looked in our kitchen, you would see one of these plaques, but it's stated differently. I think it's one of the reasons I like it. My wife, Kathy, bought this. Here's what it says on ours. It says, in this house we live joyfully, laugh abundantly, give generously, care deeply, Smile spontaneously, pray faithfully, listen carefully, play adventurously, and hug tightly. Now you notice the difference between the two plaques? One are a set of rules, the other are a set of values. And I think what's so beautiful to me about that is that it doesn't feel like a do or don't or to do or don't kind of list. It's the way we want to live life in every circumstance, not just in our home. These are values that are to permeate our lives. Now, one of my favorite studies in Scripture, in the New Testament especially, is to look at what are called the metaphors, the illustrations of Scripture regarding the church. I want to encourage you to do that study that time. What are these metaphors? For example, we are the bride of Christ. That's one of the most known ones. And so when you look at these metaphors, we are the body of Christ, the scripture says. We are a family in Christ. We are the temple of the living God, we are told. All of these metaphors are so beautiful because Within each one of them, there are powerful, profound truths how we are to live as the church. 
And I think what God has so burdened me for as I have an opportunity to share God's word with you today is to challenge us to be the church. You know, we can sit back and we can watch the news and we can hear all the craziness. It's craziness that's going on. And just be fearful and just hunker down and be intimidated and be fearful. And that's not what God has called the church to be, ever. He's given us a commission. Go make disciples of all the world. And I think for us to be fearful, intimidated, and not the church. Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. Is that who we are? But there is a metaphor. It's probably my favorite that I want to focus on this morning. We'll talk about it next week as well. And that is that the church is God's household. We are God's household. And God has household values for his church. We're going to be looking at that this week and next week for a bit as well. And so I love the fact that God has given us these beautiful pictures and that one of them is that we, the church, are God's household. I want you to ponder that that word with me for just a bit. And if you have your Bible, we're going to be actually in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 16 is our text this morning. So if you have your Bible there at home, handful of people here today, just why don't you open up there? I think the verses will be on the screen as well. Now I need to give you a little bit of context before we look at 14, 15, and 16, kind of the main focus of uh, what I want to share with you. If you look at verses 1 all the way through verse 13 of 1 Timothy chapter 3, you'll see that it talks about qualifications of leaders in the church. Verses 1 through 7 talk about elders, the overseers, those who are the spiritual overseers of the church, the elders. And then 8 through 13 talk about the deacon and deaconesses, people who are involved in serving roles in the church. Now, it's so fascinating to me as you look at those verses, as you look at those qualifications, especially for the elders, there are actually 15 of those qualifications or traits or characteristics. Several times, and it's true with the deacon and deaconesses as well, several times it talks about family. It talks about leading or managing your family. And so it seems to me that it's very important to God that those who lead his church, those who are modeling how to live life to the church of Jesus Christ, are those who do well in their homes, in their families. And it's interesting that from those qualifications of leaders, which so emphasize leadership in the family, providing godly leadership in the home, out of that flows the fact that the church is God's household. I think there's something about family, whether it's our biological families or it's our church family, there are incredibly important values that we need to live out, that we need to put into practice constantly in order to be all that God has called the church to be. So I'm going to pick up in verse 14 of 1 Timothy chapter 3, pick up in verse 14. And um, just read these three verses. And then I want to share with you, there's three actually that I'll point out. Three household 
values of the church of Jesus Christ that I think need to just be embodied, embedded in the church. Verse 14 says this, Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. Awesome. Now again, the book of 1 Timothy was actually a letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Some of you know a little bit about Timothy. Timothy was referred to as Paul's son in the faith. He, he might have been Paul's, at least as we read in Scripture, he might have been Paul's number one, certainly in the top handful of, of uh, disciples that Paul had poured his life into. In fact, there are two books, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, that are direct letters from Paul to Timothy that are actually in our Bibles. So Paul is talking to Timothy here. We see in verse 14 Paul's urgency. Paul's saying, although I, I hope to come to you, I'm writing these instructions so that if I'm delayed. See, the Apostle Paul wanted to go. By the way, Timothy is in Ephesus. Timothy was part of the church in Ephesus, the Ephesian church, we would call it. And Paul had invested a lot of his time and love and ministry and discipling into the believers in Ephesus. And so Paul is wanting to come, but he says there's, an op there's a chance that I could be delayed. And we see this urgency in him. It's almost like, you know, sometimes that you say to somebody, I got something really, really important I need to tell you, okay? When can we meet? And the person says, a week from Thursday. And you say, I'm going to tell you right now, okay? I cannot wait that long. I got to tell you right now because it's so important. And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. There's a chance I could be delayed but what I have to say to you right now is so important. Here it is. And then I want, to, want you to look at this phrase. This is an incredible phrase in verse 15. You will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. <laughs> you mean there's a proper way to behave as people of God? Yes. Yes. There is a proper way to behave as a believer. You mean I can't do whatever I want? No. We can't. One of the most profound verses in all the New Testament to me is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. You have been bought with a price. Glorify God in your bodies. You have been purchased. You have been bought with a price. What is that price? The blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died on the cross for your sins, and my friends, he has given us new life. We are children of God, but we are now his. We belong to him, okay? So at the basis, at the, the root of our conduct as the people of God is Jesus is Lord. <laughs> Jesus is Lord. I can't do whatever I want. I can't just say, you know, I'll call you when I need you, Jesus. I'm going to kind of do my thing. 
and I'm going to make my choices and make my decisions, and uh, I know you'll forgive me if I need it down the road. You have been bought with a price. And Paul says, I want you to know how you ought to conduct yourselves. You know, it's interesting as I was thinking about this and thinking about the church and how we should conduct ourselves. Um, I think there are people who say, don't tell me what to do. That, that attitude begins, what, age one, two years old and can manifest itself a great deal, not just in children, but we can carry that into adults. You can't tell me what to do. Well, Jesus can because we've been bought with a price. I love this other verse over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Paul says, we are ambassadors for Christ. Do you know what the job of an ambassador is? It's, it's really pretty simple. It's not easy, but it's really pretty simple. Here's what an ambassador does. An ambassador represents the country, the leadership, the people of the country that he comes from. He is a representative. She is a representative. Paul says we are ambassadors of Christ. In other words, my entire life is to be lived to show Jesus, to represent Jesus. So when Paul talks about us knowing how to conduct ourselves in the household of God, he's saying, by the way, you've been bought with a price, the price of Jesus Christ. You're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. So your conduct needs to match what honors and glorifies and reflects Jesus Christ, period. And we might say, easier said than done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's why the journey of the Christian life is all step-by-step, day-by-day, moment-by-moment, becoming more and more like him, like Jesus We bear his name. We need to represent God's family by how we live our lives. Now, I want you to look with me in verse 15 as we keep going. Here's, here's something about the household, and this will point to my first value that I want us to look at. Part of verse 15 says this, which is the church of the living God. We are the church of the living God, okay? Now, we need to conduct ourselves as ones, this is really key, who constantly acknowledge that I live in the presence of Almighty God. Think with me for a moment. If you're with someone, you're in the presence of someone that you deem really important, a person who you have incredible high regard for, or maybe it's a person who's really, really, really famous. And when you're in that person's presence, it affects you, doesn't it? There's something about being in the presence of someone you deem extremely important. Maybe somebody that you're even in awe of, it affects you. It can intimidate you, right? It can um, humble you. It can cause you to say, I better not say that. I better not talk much. I better not, you know, all of these things that we think when we're in the presence of someone whom we're in awe of. 
the fact that as the church, we are in a relationship and in the presence constantly of the living God should affect how you and I live our lives. It must have been 30 years ago, 30 or 35 years, probably maybe even 35 years ago, I heard a pastor say this, it has never uh, stopped haunting me. The most important part of my life is what nobody else sees but Jesus. Boom. <laughs> the most important part of my life is what no one else sees except Jesus. Because I'm always in his presence. You know, we all can have this tendency of kind of shaping up around certain people. <laughs> Whether it's your boss, your coach, your teacher, your parent, whatever it might be. It's like, oh, I need to be on my best behavior because I'm around this person. How about the fact that we're always around Jesus? <laughs> we're the church of the living God. Not, that doesn't just mean that he's alive. That means that we have a relationship with him. That means he sees all. He knows all. So here's how I like to say household value, number one, for the church. To recognize that God dwells among us. God dwells among us. You know, many of you probably are, are parts of other organizations. Maybe you're parts of teams. Maybe you're parts of clubs. And, and you enjoy, you do activities together, you have friendship together. The church is different. The church is different. We are the church of the living God. And you know, there's something that Jesus said that, you know, again, I look forward to next week when we can actually be together, gather together. But Jesus said this, when two or three are gathered, there I am, what? There I am in their midst. There is something about the collective body of Jesus Christ where the living God dwells. God dwells among his people and among his church. And for me, when I choose to remember that, when I live in light of that, it has profound effect on how I live my life. Because I've been bought with a price. Because I'm an ambassador for Christ. And so this value, I'm calling it, this, this household value of the church is to remember that God dwells among us, that we live in his presence because he is the living God. Verse 15 continues, and it says this. It says, God's household is also the pillar and foundation of the truth. We are the guardians of the truth. The truth is re <laughs> referred to as God's treasure in Scripture. And we are the guardians of his truth. You know, when, when I hear the word truth, I think of two things. You know, I, I initially think when I see the word truth in Scripture, I think of the fact that God's word is truth, right? The word of God is truth. We refer to it as special revelation from God. It's the Bible. It's the words in Scripture. That's truth. But there's another kind of truth. It's called honesty. <laughs> it's called speaking truth and being honest. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of tired of being bombarded as I 
watch media, as I, I listen, as at times I'm on Facebook, but certainly news and media, is that the truth is not always valued. Is that about as nicely as I can say it? <laughs> the lying is prolific. Oh, we call it spin. We call it spin, right? We call it, well, that's how I choose to frame that issue. You know, and I think sometimes we believers are so afraid to speak truth because we're intimidated and we're fearful. You know, we think if I speak truth to that person and it hurts their feelings, then I'm not being loving. You might be very loving by speaking truth. I like to hear the truth. Sometimes the truth is not pleasant. But don't you like the truth? And you know what? Truth is part of godly integrity. It is. It is. And God has called us to be people who speak truth, who speak it honestly. Yes, who speak God's truth from the word of God, but also who speak honestly. And I just think that is so critical that we remember that the church of Jesus Christ is committed to truth. In fact, I love this imagery. The church is the pillar and the foundation of truth. That's who we are. Is it possible that one of the most important parts of our role in society is to live and speak truth? Is it possible because we are the ones with God's truth that we are to sound the alarm when the alarm needs to be sound, that we are to speak words of hope to people because we have the truth? Do you think people in our world right now need to hear truth? Truth that is encouraging, truth that is in hope, that is hopeful, you better believe they do. So here's my second, my second uh, household value for the church, and that is that truth directs everything we do. Truth must direct everything we do. At the end of the day, we need to be truthful. We need to be honest. We need to speak God's truth. And as you know, sometimes speaking God's truth is offensive to people. Yeah, you know what, too? I've been bought with a price. I'm an ambassador for Jesus. I need to speak his truth. It really is not an option to me. It really is not an option to you as a Christ follower. We speak truth, God's truth and honest truth. And God has called that us to, to do that and to be that. And that's one of God's values for his household that he calls the church, that we speak truth. You know, I am so grateful I'm so grateful to be part of Mission Point because we are committed to speaking truth. We are committing to, committed to the truth of Jesus Christ. Something Kondo said last week has just, I've thought about it all week. It, it, he essentially said this. He said, the voice of Jesus must drown out all other voices. I love that. Because we get lots of voices in our head, don't we? The voice of Jesus needs to drown out all other voices. And that, my friends, is what it means to live truth, to speak truth. Truth must direct everything that we do. That is a huge God's household value that you and I need to live out. Now, the next verse, verse 16, what an amazing verse it is. Verse 16, some commentators think it was a hymn it was a doxology of, of the church. We would almost call it like a creed 
It might have been something they recited in their gatherings on a regular basis. Paul, verse 16, let me read the verse. Paul refers to it, um, he begins the verse, I should say, by saying this, beyond all question. (laughs) Paul's saying, what I'm going to say is undeniable. What I am going to say is is without refute. The mystery from which true godliness springs is great. And then listen to what he says. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. Uh, Who do you think he's describing? I think almost all of us could get this one right. Jesus. (laughs) He calls it the mystery. In in Scripture, when you see the word mystery, it's not mysterious. It's not talking about that. It's talking about something that previously was hidden that is now revealed. The mystery of Christ was technically the incarnation of Christ, that God would become man. But the mystery that he's talking about is the gospel, the gospel, the the message of the gospel, the mystery from which true godliness springs. In other words, there's no way we can live out any of these values without embracing and being transformed by the gospel. That's the bottom line. Here's the gospel as stated right here in verse 16, that God the Son left the glories of heaven and entered humanity. We call that the incarnation. That the perfect Son of God died on the cross in our place for the forgiveness of sins for anyone who would by faith receive his forgiveness. We call that justification. That's another term we use. And that after he was dead, he rose from the grave conquering death and imparting eternal life to all who believe in him. We call that Resurrection, and we have the resurrection power of Jesus through the gospel. That's what defines Christianity, my friends. That's the good news. So here's my third household value for the church, and that is the gospel defines our identity. The gospel defines our identity, period. I think a lot of you know my background. I think a lot of you know that, that I pastored for a while, and then for 16 years, God gave me an assignment over at Grace, where I was a professor and a dean of Grace Theological Seminary. So I kind of lived in that academic world. And I have seen over the years, in my over 40 years as a believer, what Christians debate over, things that Christians divide over, things that cause Christians to say, because you believe that about that doctrinal statement and I believe this, I can never fellowship with you. I won't even talk to you. It is so heartbreaking, I believe, to God how people have taken some minutia and they call it doctrine, but my friends, more often than not, it's church tradition. It's how we have interpreted that doctrinal statement, how much value we have given it. 
And to see how over the centuries the church has been divided and at odds with one another and a horrendous, poor testimony to the world because we don't make the gospel the main thing. We don't make the fact that Jesus came to earth, he died on the cross for our sins, he rose from the grave, and through faith in him, we have eternal life. And we are brothers and sisters, we are family, we are part of the same household. And I can't imagine how much it breaks God's heart, because it breaks a lot of our hearts, about how people have taken these tiny little doctrinal or church practices and so divided and have literally uh, (laughs) trashed the name of the church and the reputation of the church in communities and all over the world. The value of the household is that it's the gospel that defines our identity. And when we become family, and if you know and love Jesus and have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ and you're part of his family, guess what? I better love you. (laughs) We better be at some level united, at least on my end. I'm going to do everything I can to love you and to view you as a sister, to view you as a brother. And yes, we may disagree. And I'm not saying doctrine doesn't matter. It absolutely does. But what identifies us? What unifies us? What is it that causes us to say, yeah, we may disagree on this doctrinal statement or this position of this specific doctrine or what your church believes or what your denomination is all about or why they split from another group. But at the end of the day, I love you. I'm going to pray for you. I wish God's best for you and God's blessing upon you because we are part of the same family. We are part of the same household. And if we want to have a respectful, loving disagreement with each other, hey, that's fine. I'm often up for that because I love to discuss doctrinal issues. Maybe some of you do as well. But the household value is the gospel, is our identity. It's the gospel that ultimately defines who we are. And that's what Paul says is the mystery of true godliness is Jesus. Jesus. So God dwells among us. Truth directs everything we do. The gospel defines our identity. Those are my three household values for the church. Not a set of rules, not a set of do's and don'ts, but a set of values. That the very God of the universe dwells among us. That we live every moment of every day in his presence. And my friend, if that doesn't impact how you and I live, even the secret parts of our lives then today's the day to repent. Today's the day to confess. Today's the day to say, I have been bought with a price, Jesus. And I need to live for you because you paid the penalty for my sin and and for my life. Truth directs everything we do. Can you imagine what would happen in the United States if all believers decided to live and speak truth? God's truth and honest truth. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if it would start with me, with us, as a church family? 
and then remembering <laughs> it's really about Jesus. It's really, really about Jesus. And Jesus is the great uniter. He is not the divider. Satan is the divider. Jesus is the uniter. And so, my dear friend, um, the world needs to see Jesus reflected in his church. The hope of everything going on is that the church would be the church in our country. I mean, obviously, that sounds very naive because medical people and other people are involved in all that's going on as well. God bless them. But at the end of the day, if the church would be the church, if we would embrace these values that Paul is exhorting Timothy and us to live out. Can you imagine the impact? And when I say church, don't just think of the 350,000 churches in the U.S. How about Mission Point Community Church in Warsaw, Indiana? So my challenge, my dear brothers and sisters, to you today is will we be God's household, living out God's household values as his church. And then let's see what he will do. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for this beautiful image, this metaphor. Uh, you've given us a, a variety of them. But the fact that we're a household that means we're family. That means we're, we're connected. That means that we can have a family reputation, a family name, a family testimony to the world. Lord, help us in areas of our lives, as your spirit, I hope, has spoken to each one of us. He certainly has spoken to me through this passage. Help us, Father, to embrace these values, to realize, above all else, we've been bought with a price. We belong to you. We live in your presence. And may your gospel, the whole reason that your son came to earth would be the foundation of how we relate to all of our brothers and sisters. Thank you, Father, that in the midst of all the things that are going on in our culture right now, in our community, in our society, that there is a resounding voice above all voices that we need to listen to, and that is yours, yours. How incredible it is, Lord, that you have given us your perfect, inerrant word, the scriptures. May we be diligent students of your truth, and may we live them out that we would be a, a light on a hill, that we would be salt and light in the society that desperately needs the hope of Jesus. Father, would you bless my brothers and sisters even as we continue to 
walk through and live through this, this season in our lives, in our country. Lord, would you give hope and encouragement. And Lord, would you help us to reach out to those around us who maybe are deeply hurting, deeply discouraged, and show them your love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.